And welcome to Australia's first Let's Talk Tiny Houses podcast. My name is Christine, and ever since laying eyes on my first tiny house, I wanted to know more about the movement, the lifestyle, the communities, and most of all, how I can go tiny. While on my tiny journey, gathering information and meeting amazing like-minded people, I started thinking, apart from my business, how could I contribute back to the movement? Then I was introduced to podcasting. And that was my light bulb moment. I'm so thrilled that through this podcast, I am able to bring you an amazing cast of co-hosts who all bring their own unique skills, knowledge and advice to each episode. All of us are extremely passionate about the tiny house movement and want to share our experience, expertise and enthusiasm with our listeners. Each week, we'll bring you a special guest interview or particular hot topic discussion that relates to tiny living for your listening pleasure. Okay, let's jump in and find out who we have with us this week. Patty and I have gone on a little road trip today. So how are you, Patty? Uh, loving a road trip. Always love a road trip. Yes. So we've come all the way up to Udlo to meet with Dean from um, Udlo Life Bubbles Friends. And we've just had a really, how long do you reckon we're walking for? Half an hour, half hour, half hour, 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Through the property. And we went all the way down to the little gully and the little dry waterbed down there. And we ventured through the ferns. Took took the leap of faith. Yes. (laughs) So the leap of faith. Yes. People will be able to see pictures of that on the Facebook page. But, um, so, uh, introduce... A bit of geological history on the way. Geological (laughs) history. Yes, and finding out all about the property. Mm. So, it's been lovely. So, Mm. welcome, Dean. Thank you. And thank you for having Patty and I and um, taking your time to show us the property. It's so lovely. Um, So, yourself and I met a few weeks ago at the uh, Eco Village conference Mm. up at uh, Mullaney. And um, yeah, so it was lovely meeting you and you mm. walked me to my car that night because it was night and I'd, yeah, I'd parked in a little bit of a scary... She was sure there were snakes going to eat her all <laughs> No, no, no. So you kindly said that I could come and visit the property mm. and Patty and I can come and investigate and see what's going on. Let's have a little chat about how everyone's week has been. So mm. you've had a busy week, Patty's had a busy week. Yes, yeah. always busy. So you've moved into a new establishment with your work i have i've got a new workplace yeah lots more positive positivity mm-hmm. and uh yeah lots more fun yeah so yeah looking forward to embracing that and you've got just um, people Sorry, might yes. be able to hear you've got a little bit of laryngitis but you're, just a little you're doing it's coming back yes sorry about that folks my voice that, is coming back that's <laughs> you sound great patty and dean's been working on the property when we I arrived you're on the bobcat yes yeah so just doing a bit of drainage work. We have always a bit of an adventure, but we had um, uh, a very rare um, winter thunderstorm here where we had hail and lightning and lightning struck the power board, but blew, blew up the meters and the power board. And, um, and we, so we had to replace all of that. And as well as that, we had 100 mil in about two hours. So it, it, we had lots of 
washouts and had to do a bit of drainage work yeah. after that. A bit so. of rock slides and yes. boulder yes. moves too, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um, so, we've yeah. taken some pictures of that mm. to show everyone. Mm. So a little bit of um, rearranging and new yes. landscaping due down there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for listeners who aren't aware of the property and yourself, could you give us a little bit of background on, yes. on Dean and how you came to be living tiny and yes. okay. having the eco-village? Okay, well, um, <laughs> I started with the idea of tiny and in uh, mine's not so much just tiny as underground. So I liked, I really liked the idea of living um, subterranean. And so even as a kid, I made these little cubby houses. The first one was in a wombat burrow. And, <laughs> and so this is in Tasmania. And then the second one was dad had, um, with his excavator had dug a trench to get some sand out. And I put sheets of corrugated iron over it and covered it over with dirt and fern fronds and then made a little cubby house in under the <laughs> in under the ground. And the, oh, so that was my... Um, and I've always had this view to being able to live underground. So um, about, oh goodness, 20 years ago, I visited Cappadocia in, in Turkey and saw all the underground... Um, houses and churches and everything over there, um, including the underground um, city at Deren Kuyu. So there's a, a very ancient city there that's uh, about 5,000 years old. So we're talking a long time ago mm. people built these underground cities in order to escape the Hittites. Are they yeah, you could actually it? live in them. Yeah. They were actually completely unknown up until 1965, I think it was, they were rediscovered. Mm-hmm. So people didn't had forgotten that these things even yeah. existed there. And then someone was cleaning out and then they found these shafts. And then, and it turns out they were actually really cleverly made. They had a compost shaft where all the waste and wastewater went. Mm-hmm. They separated from that, they had a water shaft where you could get your water from the well, you know, so right down to the aquifer. And then they had a air vent shaft so the air would and also for light so mm. it would let light in and, and an air ventilation shaft and it's all in this volcanic um, soft rock that's fairly easy to to dig and these things went down um, like there's like equivalent of an eight-story building so there's lots really? that goes really deep and there's all these little shafts and tunnels and people living in little <coughs> things usually opening up into one of these um big deep shafts where they can get light and so on but yeah it was they think it was primarily designed to escape the marauding Hittites but I think it was more than that I think they actually liked living in a cool place underground and and they're stable like they're still there after 5,000 years and um, yeah absolutely fantastic concept so I was really inspired and came back and built myself a little earth-sheltered ferro-cement dome, which I rammed earth around and, and lived in for 16 years. Wow. And, um, so the ones in Turkey, mm-hmm. did you go into them? Yes, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So did you go... Oh, you right can live down... in them. There's hotels and houses and, yeah, churches. Wow. And, yeah. Oh, we'll have to look yeah. at this. this a, if you have a look up Cappadocia on, you know, do a... Google. Google search and you'll find heaps on Cappadocia and yeah, there's absolutely it's a gorgeous place. Wow! And the people were super friendly and 
Yeah. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. We went in autumn and there were beautiful autumn colours and dried apricots everywhere and people eating apricot kernels. and Yeah, it was, it was just a really fun trip. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. sorry, I interrupted you. So you came back and... And built, uh, uh, built my own little version. And because we lived in a basalt area, I had to make a ferro-cement dome because I couldn't just... I didn't have this lovely um, soft volcanic rock that you can carve out with a pick and shovel. So I made a, a really strong shell out of um, chicken wire and a high strength concrete mm-hmm. um, and then so mixed that together and made uh, a shell that's super strong and then I had a slab that I put that on and then I rammed earth around it to give it the thermal stability because that's one of the nice things about living underground is the temperature doesn't change much so the average annual temperature of of rock in this area is about 23 degrees and so it's a really nice stable temperature to live in so it's like a perfect fit if you can tunnel into the ground and have a structure that's um, got a high thermal mass then it means you don't get big swings between summer and winter that's right yeah Yeah, you can just watch the seasons change yeah so that's what the, the little the little um, meditation cave that you saw out the back there, that's not complete yet. But, yeah, that's the idea of that, was just to get in and have it so that it's always stable. Yeah. Because it gets quite hot here. We've had, you know, 44-degree days and, and quite humid during summer. Mm-hmm. So it can get very hot. And having, it, um, having a place there that's a refuge from that oppressive heat is really lovely. Perfect. Because it stays at about that, you know, 20... 325 degrees yeah oh that's brilliant so mm. you um lived in the previous one so for about yeah 16 I, lived, years. I lived there for 16 years until i had to move it wasn't i'd i'd built it on someone else's property my ex's property and so yeah it was a matter of just moving um from there and it was sad to move but life goes on nothing stays the same and when I looked for a new property, I looked for a place that had uh, sandstone outcrops on it that I could burrow into. Oh. And so this place was perfect because it's got some really beautiful sandstone outcrops yeah, that look out over the northern view and out over the hinterland of the Sunshine Coast. The view from your deck is just gorgeous. Isn't it? Stunning. Yeah. Beautiful. I love the big gum yeah. trees too. Isn't it? They're just yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. So that was the idea is to make um, several of these what I call life bubbles. Mm-hmm. Um, the concept of a life bubble is to make a place that's um, both your habitat and your shelter. So it's a... It's a um, uh, so... And the, I neglected to mention that the one I had in Mullaney, I put a big greenhouse on after a few years oh. and I could afford it. I made um, an 18 metre diameter, so quite a large dome that was made out of plastic as like a greenhouse. Yes. And so it was a combination then of the underground for the cool conditions and a greenhouse for growing all the plant foods. I think I've seen a picture of yes, that on yeah. maybe the Facebook page. Yeah, I've got, I've got some pictures there. That's, mm. And yeah, it was gorgeous. And the, and the plants just grew like mad. It was like I had the best pawpaws around. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Bananas, and everything just grew like crazy in there. 
Yeah. yeah. And you've got two children. Yes. So how three. do Oh, three. Yes. Oh. Another one grew in the greenhouse. Yeah. Wow. Very good greenhouse. Um, So how did they find living underground? Oh, they loved it. They loved it. Like, you know, there was a curious thing because they were both terrible sleepers when, and and then um, in desperation, my ex said, oh, can you just take the kids? I just need a night's sleep. So... I took, um, the first, this was first with my, my eldest Zig, uh, son, Ziggy. And um, so from about six months on, he came down and slept in the fairy house with me. And he would sleep straight through the whole lot, not a single glitch. Wow. It, was, <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. So I'd give them their little bottles. I'd tuck them under my arm and warm up the bottle and give them a oh, <laughs> in the night. So I had all this expressed milk that I could feed. So I had, yeah. So I had both of them there from when they were tiny, and they just got so used to it. They loved it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but it, it's kind of got a calming. It's it, because of the shape. It's kind of this dome shape. So it's like a womb-like shape anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this really calm, sheltered place that you know it's quieter because you're underground. And um, yeah, the kids just loved it, and so did I. I, you know, I'd always sleep, you know, so deeply when I slept. That was, yeah. It's reminding me of like those float tanks. Oh well, yeah, kind of. Similar. Not, not so much floating, but no, you're you're but in a you're calm. in a calm space where yes. it's yeah. quiet and still, and and you, you there's a, like a feeling of strength and shelter around you that you're safe yeah so it's like this natural feeling of i'm sure that's why cave people went into caves because it felt because safer safe. yeah <laughs> yeah oh that's gorgeous yeah so then you've moved to this property about yes. four years ago that's correct yeah. and so was it someone's home previous yeah, or I were they bought, doing no yeah. well i bought a place um, I looked at initially just trying to get somewhere cheap, but um, by the time I got somewhere with just land or a shed, um, it was still, you know, quite expensive, and and then I'd still have to be paying it off, you know, because I couldn't afford to buy anything outright. So I actually decided mm, it's probably going to be more economical to buy an established house that I've, that's got more rooms in it. So this place originally had three. Um, bedrooms and I've made an extra so I've now got four bedrooms and um, building in more underneath so it's made it more economical because the people who stay here now pay off the mortgage Mm -hmm. so it it gave me an opportunity to a live in a in a extended family situation I call it our intentional family and 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 so um, and everyone shares the common resources so like what's the point of everyone having a bathroom and a laundry and a you know when you know they're only used a fraction of the time Mm. so the washing machine is enough you know like there's now 10 people here so we've got 10 people sharing a washing machine and 10 people sharing a kitchen and you know so it just makes much better use of you know limited resources it's in my view it's like extending the concept of a tiny house to a we only really need a tiny room and then you can share a common space and a beautiful deck and you know so um it it gives more amenity that's right. Than if you're in, a, a, you know, so it, it's, but it's similar concept. 
of using less resources per person, sharing you know, resources sensibly. And um, we've sorted out, you know, most people think, oh, I wouldn't want to do that because, you know, you, you know there's always conflict in a community situation, like, oh, you know, who they're, u- they're using more power or they're, you know, they're using more water they've or they're the using more... The or they're, yeah, <laughs> they're, all of those issues, they're all actually really easy to solve if you just have a common ground rules when people come. And so... Um, and that's evolved over the four years so that we've now got what I think is probably... Um, well, I think it's the best constitution that I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've worked on it. We've pulled bits from... Um, the uh, the uh, Charter of Human Rights. Um, we've we've pulled bits from other constitutions. We've pulled bits from standard company, you know, not for profit constitutions. And um, the main um, uh, one that we used as a framework was a community land trust constitution. Um, and so, between all of those, have bringing in the rights and responsibilities like the human rights, so that you know. Um, for a start, we, I think it eliminates people who are not community-minded because mm. if you know, come in knowing that you've got a sign to say, yeah, look, I agree to live in this place by the Constitution, then that means you know that there's no scope for people being rude or disrespectful to each other or discriminating on the basis of their gender or their sexuality or their race or whatever. All of that's kind of eliminated by them saying, no, we agree to abide by the Constitution. So you're not going to get people here who are going to be, you know, abusive or disrespectful or, you know, it just doesn't happen because they would pull anyone up if they started, you know, using drugs or whatever, then hang on, that's not in the Constitution. You know, we don't, you know, that if, if if that's your thing then this is not for you. That's right. So um, how would people find, if a room became available, how would people know about it? It's always been by word of mouth. Ah. So we've never had, like, we've literally got every available space used at the moment because, yeah, people love it so much that, you know, so, for example, Cindy moved in and then she said to a cousin, oh, you've got to come here, it's fantastic, you know. So they moved in and then and then, yeah. and then they had friends. So, yeah, um, and Jimmy came and then he said, oh, Bert, you've got to come. And, <laughs> and so Bert came and, and, yeah. and he don't. So it, 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 that's the way it just grows. People um, are attracted to a friendly bunch of like-minded people when it comes down to it. So when someone um, approaches you who yes. would like to live here, is it a, a group decision? It on, is. We oh, all so everyone sits it. there. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. So, for example, we recently had um, uh, a, a woman wanted to come uh, with her son, but she's got two dogs. And because we've already got, um, you know, mumbo-jumbos here, yeah. and he is, she, sorry, doesn't really get on with other big dogs, um, we thought, you know, we all discussed it and they said, no, it's not going to work, you oh, know, because we'll just have conflict there mm. between them. So everyone, it was just a consensus. It was no big deal. We just said, you know, it's not not as if we're particularly against having pets, but in this just case, there the were time. just too many. Yeah. Mm. And it wouldn't, wouldn't have worked. So 
so for people who are they're a good fit mm-hmm. when they're signing the constitution which i um is well like we a actually tendency. have yeah we um uh as well as the constitution we actually have a expression of interest form for people who are interested um, to fill out and that just goes through all of the things in a really practical way of um, these are the expectations so if you're going to come you know this is the, these are the available rooms if there are any or you can put in an expression of interest well when that room becomes available I'm interested in moving in um, but it's um, uh, we have a requirement for um, five hours of voluntary work contribution each per person um, and we didn't used to have that and so what it tends to happen in a situation where there's no expectation fr- up front is people come in thinking oh this is great oh, I can you know and we you can get a situation where people just cruise along and don't actually contribute take advantage of yeah. that and so and that's and and that, so it's it's foreseeable it's almost inevitable you just make sure that people are clear on what the expectation is and then there's no bad blood that's right um, we another thing is that we say you know like um, there's at least one um, family meal where everyone gets together and has a communal meal um, every week and as it's turned out, that's turned into there's a communal meal here every night. Yeah, you were <laughs> so, saying the group. So. And it's just it's just a really functional and fun group at the moment. Yeah. And so we'll have a meal, and then there's several musicians, and we'll you know grab the banjo, you know grab the the ukulele, and you know so everyone just gets around and spontaneously starts. And we we've deliberately made it into a welcoming place. So, for example, about three weeks ago, um, I, we invited a friend of my partner Monique's um, up, who was um, uh, he's a Afghan refugee, and um, so he came along, and this was his first time out of detention centre oh. for a whole day, and he was he was blown away. He filmed the whole, we, you know, we all just spontaneously started playing music that night, and he you know, joined in and wow. it was just, a, he was, he, you know, he had, and he kept writing to me, oh, it was so much fun, you know, I'd like to come again. I've said, yeah, sure, come again, you know, we'll, we'll let you know when there's, you know, something or you let us know when you'd like to come for another break. Oh, so that you? sort of welcoming um, feeling is what, you know, that's part of the ethos of what we've set up. Yeah. But then as well as that, um as a functional community, there's always work to do beyond that five hours of voluntary, what we call, um, it's it's like a community contribution where you, everyone just contributes to build the community. Is that five hours a week? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that five hours a week is really very helpful because it does a lot of the maintenance and, you know, common things. Mm. But then... There's other work like um, building in down below and things like this. So there's extra work on top of that that actually adds value to the property. So what we do there is we have um, there's a a um, the governance structure is set up as a it's a it's a trust with a not for profit company under it and the as a co trustee and then there's also a a, um, a, a for profit proprietary limited company where the people who have contributed 
uh, become shareholders. And so, and that contribution can be either in cash, they might put cash in, or they might actually um, just work, you know, so they might not have any cash to put in, but they are prepared to actually work. And we have an egalitarian work set up where everyone's paid the same amount Mm -hmm. and whatever work you do on that basis beyond the the five hours that's um, agreed work so we all get together and say well you know what's our next priority and then people who work on that priority get paid um, and they get paid in in shares in the company so which means that they build their equity in in this whole wealth project. great episode. I would like to thank you for listening and I really hope you enjoyed this week's discussion. I would like to now invite you over to our exclusive Facebook group where you as our listeners will be able to interact with us, each other, see photos and additional extras that accompany each episode and be the first to know what we have coming up. If there is a particular topic you would like to hear more about or someone you think we need to interview, please drop us a line at Let's Talk Tiny Houses at gmail.com or via our Facebook group. You can find this podcast series on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast app. And while you're there, please show your love by giving us a rating. Hopefully it's five stars. Our show notes will be available on Podbean along with any podcast corrections and amendments. The Let's Talk Tiny Houses podcast is brought to you by myself, Christine Murphy and my business, OCD, Organising, Cleaning and Decluttering Specialists, which can be found on Facebook or through my website, ocdpro.com.au. I would like to thank all my co-hosts for their amazing contributions and Joanne Helder for editing all our audio and making us sound so fabulous. Until next week, please take care and enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself.